welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the inventive Matt. Hello there. Well, Matt, um, we're rattling along with uh, Series 12, aren't we? We're on to Episode 4 already. Yeah. Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Is it a long series? How many episodes have we got? Uh, same as last one, so uh, that's what, 10? I think. Um, yeah, plus, uh, plus there will be a New Year's at the end of it, so um, yeah. It's not it's not long. It, it you know, that's the that's the thing with the Chibnall era. It's short series and long waits in between. Mm. So um yeah, it goes quick when you do it back to back like this. How how's your week been, David? Um, it's been okay. I mean, um I won't beat around the bush. Um got some family stuff going on. I won't go into details, but um that's that's been preying on my mind a little bit. Um, just, um, uh, but so if I seem a little bit distracted this week, listeners, that's probably why. Uh, but in and of myself, not doing too bad. What about you, Matt? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to this. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, I think I don't know. I didn't really know when to drop this in, but uh, this week, David. I've yes. been invited to guest on the Who Can Convince You podcast. Ooh. So, this Friday, they've started doing little episodes where they don't talk about Doctor Who. Your dream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so, it's just called Look Who's Talking. And yeah. uh, Harry from Who Can Convince You has sent me one of the topics that we're going to discuss and asked if I wanted to submit any. Um, uh-huh. So, so far on the agenda, Harry suggested that we talk about cryogenic freezing. Excellent. And I've suggested we discuss train spotting. The film or the hobby? No, the hobby. The hobby. Ah, excellent. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, I, I look forward to listening to that. Do you know, uh, I mean, I guess if you're recording this week... Uh, how uh, it depends how quickly they get their editing done, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but certainly within the next week or two. Yeah, I think it's safe you're within this, the next month or so. Yeah, keep an eye on their feed. I mean, not everyone has such a grueling schedule as us, David. Yeah, hopefully everyone is, uh, you know, subscribed already. If not, do subscribe to um, uh, who can convince you. Um, and uh, yeah, I very much look forward to listening to that. Um, also on my notes that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss with you, David. Yes, I, I did a little bit of field research today. Right, because uh, I know you mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it because mm. we've put it to bed. But I tried the McPlant Burger today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if we were allowed to talk about food. How did you find it as a meat eater? Um, well, it 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 tastes like a McDonald's burger, in the sense yeah. that it had loads of ketchup, loads of onion, and a bit of mustard on it. 
I, I think if you'd have just gave me that without the burger, I don't think I'd have noticed much difference. The texture <laughs> right. isn't of a meat. Mm-hmm. It was a bit, I don't want to say sloppy, but it was a bit moist for a burger. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It's stodgy. I could see that. Bit yeah. stodgy. Flavour, absolutely fine. Mm. And I must say, because I think, is it made by Beyond Burger? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, and I've had their stuff before, and I do really like it. They're uh, they do like a breakfast sausage patty, which is really mm. nice. Um, yeah. So there's some great meat alternative stuff out there. The other thing that I'm genuinely fascinated by, though I don't know whether I would personally go for it myself, is um, the idea of quote unquote lab grown meat. Mm. Which is... Is that because you've that... seen so much, like, Doctor Who, you worry it's going to gain sentience and come back and get you? <laughs> no, I mean, genuinely, it's the fact that I've not eaten meat for so long that genuine meat probably I would find a bit off-putting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it, whilst, you know, certainly when I was in, in my, my teens and early 20s, when I first became vegetarian in my sort of mid-teens... I did so very much on ethical grounds. At this stage, it's more inertia than anything. Mm. And I don't think... I don't know. I, I have no confidence around meat. If, I would, if you were to like, ask me to cook some meat, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to begin. Um, so it's quite a daunting prospect, the idea of suddenly being... You know, even if it is an, an ethically procured steak just being like this is an actual steak that you will have to prepare in the way you would one that's come off a cow um but it's a fascinating thing i I mean we're not there in terms of it being on supermarket shelves yet um because what what has yet to be cracked is 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 a process by which it is cost effective to do so um but you know there are there are many companies actively exploring it as a possibility, which I think is fascinating. You know, uh, and could could really radically change. You know the environmental the environmental impact of um, the food chain and stuff, which is fascinating. I, I do randomly. worry that it's going to like come and get me. It's going to be like the adipose. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gonna grow little arms and legs. Yeah. Start waddling towards you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, it is. It genuinely is like the stuff of science fiction, isn't it? Oh yeah. Lab-grown meat. But it. I think it'll happen in our lifetimes. Yeah. You know. Um. Self-driving cars. All that stuff. I just. I wish I would hurry up and invent a teleporter. That's what I need. Uh. What year did the what year was the Jetsons set in? Oh, I don't know. It's probably been and gone at this point, hasn't it? I think it is. Oh, no, the Jetsons is 2062, so we've still got time. Yeah, yeah, but... Um, only just. Yeah. I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to achieve full Jetsons. In uh, in the next uh, handful of decades, especially not with the the looming environmental well, catastrophe. Think about the difference between now and nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Um. I mean, has it changed that much? 
Uh, well, <laughs> we're, we've got mobile phones. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it it depends on your metric, I suppose. Technologically speaking, yes, a bit. Politically speaking, not greatly. <laughs> no, no. Um. Anyway, let's not go down that road, yeah. shall we? Yeah, let's let's keep politics out of podcasting, please. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, let's. Should we do the old A to Z? Uh, yeah, feature? yeah. Because oh, to be honest, what, I've got one thing I was going to say. Yeah. Today we got a legitimate email asking whether we wanted to start putting ads in our pod. Really? Yeah. So I I thought. We could just do some ads. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, have you got some sponsorship lined up for us? Yeah, yeah, no, but I thought, you know, we could maybe flaunt what we've got a little bit. David, is, is the nine to five starting to weigh you down? <laughs> I mean, yes, the answer uh, is absolutely. Are, are you caught up in the rat race? I mean, not in the sense of commuting, because I work from home. But, um, sure, let's go with it. Would you benefit from a little bit of time to yourself? Who wouldn't, Matt? Then what you really need in your life, David, is eggs. (laughs) Eggs. They're like chocolate from a chicken's arse. There you go. There's our new advertise. We- we'll be the face of oh, X. Lovely. Is there anything you'd like to advertise, David? Um, uh, I'm I'm desperately sort of looking around the the kitchen, which is where I'm recording this evening, thinking, um, not really. Um, got a lovely uh, mug with a with a badger on it that I'm drinking my tea out of today. Right, S- nice sell mug. me that mug. Come on, we're uh, like madmen now. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, 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 the badger's got a bit of a wry smile to it. Seems quite happy. But also a very dilated pupil, so possibly just stoned. Yeah, so what are you drinking yeah. out of it? Tea? Tea. Uh, decaffeinated tea. See? Tea so good. It'd get a badger stoned. <laughs> we're, we're on the one. I, uh, I put our minimum I, price at $10. So people can now pay us $10, David, mm-hmm. and we will advertise things. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing where this goes, Matt. Yeah. Um, I, I don't okay. know how they get in touch. I did it through. Is it Chartable, the podcast website? They sent Maybe. us a website uh, saying. Do you want some money to sell stuff? I was like... And, and, you, and you took that egg money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was sent by Peter Egg, head of the British Egg Foundation. <laughs> and, you know, he said that eggs are getting a bad rap because too many people are eating newly synthesised plant-based meats and yeah. proteins. I'll tell you, not, 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 not little Absorbaloff. Is he mad for an egg? He's mad for eggs, specifically dippy eggs. Oh. Honestly, every, every if he could, every single meal at the moment would be a dippy egg. We're, we're having to ration him to one per day. Bloody hell. Slight one. Was it Winston Churchill that said, go to work on an egg? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly that's what he does. He gets up, he has his egg, and he's off with his Lego, and uh, it does it really requires no intervention for the rest of the day. There we go. I think we did good work for Nopper's Nuts last year, so I'm going to monetize it this year. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I've I've pretty much ceded control to you at this point of the podcast. Yeah. We, One we, of the days where I thought, felt like I had any influence over the direction of this show. We can do those really forced <laughs> podcast adverts where it's like, David, mm. I thought Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror was great. And speaking of things that are great, let me talk to you about Casper mattresses. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to that. Squarespace as well. Yeah, obviously. we can do yeah. Harry's Razors, Beer 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all, eggs. Of, all the greats. And eggs. <laughs> All right then, Matt. Um, I want to hear your bees. Buzz. <laughs> yeah. Great joke. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I enjoyed that. Right. So, our newest feature, David. Yes. The definitive A to Z of Doctor Who. Definitive. We're yeah. up to B. Would you like to hear my also runs before I give you my of suggestions? Of course. It would be a very short segment otherwise. Right. So, I started... I've literally just scribbled some stuff down before we start talking. Mm-hmm. So, I wrote some names down, David. Yes. I've gone for Billy Piper. Right. I've gone for Baker slash Tom. Yeah. Also Baker slash Colin. Yeah. Bradley Walsh, mm-hmm. Bernard Cribbins, yeah, and then we got a suggestion from Luke from Who Can Convince You, yes, who said Barrowman John. Mm. Yeah, not sure how I feel about that at this point. Yeah, might might edit that one out. Cheers, yeah. though, Luke. Um, <laughs> no, and then... to, be, to be fair to him, if you listen to Who um, Who Can Convince You. He doesn't pull his punches when it comes to Barrowman. No, no. Uh, then I just started throwing random ideas onto the page. So some of these are episodes, some of them are other things. Yeah. Okay. So I went for Boomtown. Yeah. Beast Below. Yeah. The Byzantium. Yes. The Black Spot. Yeah. The Bells of St. John. Yeah. Uh, the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Then I said Bonnie, and that's the Zygon version of Clara, isn't oh, it? Oh, gosh, you've got some deep cuts in here. I'll tell you. Right, are you ready for my top three? Yes, And I, I think this is going to surprise you. Okay. At number four, I've gone Bo, face of. Face of Bo, yeah. At number three, I've gone Blink. Mm-hmm. That does surprise me. I I assumed it would be your number one. At number two, I've gone Bill Potts. Okay, great. And number one, I've gone Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf. Because that was like the first mystery in Doctor Who that I really got hooked on. Of course. And, you know, such was its influence. It became the name of the production company, um... Of uh, Jane Tranter and Judy Gardner, um, who will be working with RTD to um, shepherd the next era of Doctor Who from next yeah. year. Bad Bit of course nonsense. correction. Let's save this sinking ship. 
But I, I meant it as in, like, in-world. Like, the yeah. actual story and... You know, every season we talk about this is going to be the bad wolf moment, didn't we? I mean, that's the thing. It set the template, and to a large extent, that's never fully been deviated from um, in in terms of New Who. It, it has a long reach, Bad Wolf, as an arc. You know, certainly in terms of references going at the very least until the Day of the Doctor. I'm trying to think if there's any post-Day of the Doctor references. There might uh, be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's kind of the last I can recall. But but either way, you know, that in itself is... it For something that is essentially meaningless... Yeah. Boy, does it have a, 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 a big, big impact on um, the shape of 21st century who. Yeah. So... Like I say, like, after last week where I went for the Autons, yeah. it's kind of... I don't know, it's a more personal choice at the risk of sounding a bit soppy. No, 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 that t- totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I think a lot of people would... would uh, be right there with you on it um so a lot of what you mentioned i also had on my not exact particularly short short list um i also had a, a bit more classic stuff so in terms of like Stop classic calling stories, it classic it's just old <laughs> um in terms of those sorts of stories um you've got brain morbius which we've seen oh yeah i can't believe i didn't put that down yeah, Black Orchid, which we've seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Battlefield, which we haven't. And in fact, I haven't yet, but I'm hoping to get to within a matter of weeks. I'm, I'm sort of halfway through the Seventh Doctor era at the moment. And uh, Battlefield was the second story written by another B, Ben Aronovich. Never heard of him. Um, he wrote Remembrance of the Daleks, which we have seen. Okay, maybe I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, um... Uh, there was a um, a New Who um, story that you didn't even mention, uh, which has surprised me, you know, in Chibnall era, uh, the, the Battle of Randos and Coleslaw. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to... Th- you, uh, that be that does start with me, because it's bloody bollocks, I'll tell you that, David. <laughs> it's not Doctor Who's finest hour. <laughs> I think even Chibnall would admit that. At this point, um, uh, uh, some other bees. You've got Nicholas Briggs, Voice of the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Jadoon, so many others, um, and of course, um, the creative director of uh, Big Finish, uh, a man who's had an enormous impact uh, on Doctor Who in the twenty first century. Um, we could have just said Big Finish. Well, that's the next thing on my list. Big finish. Again, like, I mean, in terms of in terms of impact within the fandom, big finish is huge. I, I, you know, it, best one in the world to them. There, there's not much reach there outside of the fairly hardcore fan base, I would say, except possibly for the McGann series that was broadcast on BBC Radio 7, as it was at the time. We, we could have said BBC. <laughs> we could have said BBC. Would, I don't know that a show like Doctor Who could ever have had a hope of existing without an institution like the BBC. 
which, you know, has been a bit under fire of late. And uh, I, I would argue is ultimately very much a force for good in this country. So, well, uh, yeah, very tempted to give it to that all of a sudden. Um, I, I want to mention some other writers as well that, that have got surnames beginning with B. Um, you've got Christopher Bailey, who, who wrote two of my favourite Fifth Doctor stories, Kinder and Snake Dance. Um, hope to get to those on the pod eventually. Um, you've got uh, Christopher H. Bidmead, who uh, w- chaperoned the the very late period Tom Baker era, and uh, yeah, definitely has has a bit of an impact. Um, you've got Ian Stewart Black. Who wrote three stories in in the in the Troughton era, I believe. Uh, Mallory Blackman, who co-wrote Rosa. Um, Chris Boucher, who wrote some great stories. You know, Face of Evil, Image of the Fendal. Um, there's so many writers. His names to begin with B. Um, but my B that I did go for is Baker, because not only have you got Tom. And Colin, two doctors, the only the only doctors to share a surname, that surname uh, beginning with B. You've also got three writers. You've got Pip and Jane Baker, who were a married couple who wrote um, some of the most infamous stories of the uh, Colin Baker era. And uh, early Sylvester McCoy as well. Um and uh, you've got Bob Baker, co-creator of K9. Oh, big bad also, Bobby B. Yeah, also wrote, um, uh, uh, also co-wrote uh, all of the Wallace and Gromit films after the first one. Did you see the announcement that they're making a new one this week? Yes, I did. Yeah, um, cautiously hopeful yeah. it'll be good. You know, it's never terrible, is it? No. Even when it's not great it's it's ours you know what i mean um but yeah a a a great you know i i would say one of the more i don't know unsung's not quite the word i really like bob baker's writing some people aren't as big on it but there is an irreverence to bob baker and his his, he co-wrote a lot of his stuff with uh, Dave Martin. The, they, as a pair, I think, just had this boundless creativity in their writing, even when when it didn't quite all come together in the end. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about Doctor Who, boundless creativity. So I'm just lumping all of the bakers together, and that's my nomination for B. Right. Well, I'm going to introduce a new aspect of the A to Z, David. What's that? Uh, Every week I'm going to ask you if you can recount every submission, and as the list grows it gets harder and harder. (laughs) So a little memory test. So you've got A and B, please. Okay. So, uh, did we... Did we just keep with our separate picks for? Our I, I have a table yeah. with two columns, one called Matt, and your your name is David, yeah. isn't it? It is David. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. So there's four submissions so far. Okay. So, Auton. Yep. Yeah. 
All sorts we already discussed. Um, I can't remember what I said for A. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Was it Axons? No, David, you went for An yeah. Unearthly Child. I don't know. If it's, oh, I did, didn't I? I didn't, I? Think, that was a I didn't think this aspect of the game would like die one week into it. But. <laughs> I'm not at my best today, Matt. I'm really, I'm trying, right. but um, yeah, a, a very worthy pick, wasn't it? An unearthly child, but yes, yeah, kind of had to be. Uh, and this week, Bad Wolf and uh, Baker. Yeah. So there we go. So C next week. The letter C. Anything immediately jump out at you? Um, oh. Chris Chibnall. To think. Chibnall, yeah. I, I mean, that was the thing that I was thinking about earlier when I was thinking about this. Um, I think we'll save that discussion for next week, eh? Yeah. Now, um, here's a question, David. Yes. Have we had any news from Plymouth this week? Well, uh, there's only one way to find out. You ready to, to uh, fire up Searchwise.net, Matt. As always, David. Okay, then it's time for Have I Got Who's For You? I'm clicking on the news tab. I have a feeling I know what's going to be dominating proceedings. I, I imagine you have as well. You're more active on Twitter than me. So we've got RadioTimes.com. Is David Tennant the 14th Doctor? Doctor Who rumour explained? No, it's the 10th. Yep. What are they on about, this silly idiots? <laughs> I take it you have seen that rumour flying around. It's... What are those silly bananas talking about? <laughs> We got he's, he's number ten, can't they count the silly goose? <laughs> We've got uh, the mirror. Doctor Who's Jodie Whittaker snubbed for regeneration scene after low ratings. But she's already done a regeneration <laughs> scene. She was Capaldi. What are they on about? <laughs> the Express is going with Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker replacement, and old Time Lord as Star makes return. It's going to be a new time. Do you like this new character I've got, David? The man who doesn't understand the news. <laughs> Honestly, Matt, I, I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> I, I, it we're, we're two in, and I'm already finding it intensely irritating. Well, I look forward to that being a segment that gets cancelled at the end of the year, because that, that, I feel that's got legs. <laughs> um, so we've got... We've got variation on that. Ah, oh, hey, of course, Plymouth Live is in the mix. Right, David, here we go. Um, David Tennant return rumours continue as GMB presenter grills BBC boss. Ah, oh, let's have it. Okay, we're just. Is this just going to be Plymouth Live every week? Come on. Right, David. David. Yes. Do you find it hard to keep in touch with the news in, in this rat race that we're all caught up in? You know what I do, Matt. Do you, do you struggle sometimes to keep in touch with current affairs? Mm. I do, especially ones um, uh, relating to the, one of the most major cities of the, the southwest of England. David, 
you need... Is it Plymouth Live? Plymouth Live. Plymouth Live. <laughs> okay, so here's what Elliot Ball has to say on the subject. Oh, B, he should be in the A to Z. B for Ball. <laughs> right, let's see what Big Bad Balls has got. Rumours continue to swirl around. Who will play the next Doctor? With Doctor Who fans going crazy after a, quote, BBC source claimed the next Time Lord, smushed together as one word for some reason, would be David Tennant. Jodie Whittaker is about to hang up her sonic screwdriver after making history as the first woman to star as the Time Lord, but a returning Tennant would make a different kind of history. Although past Doctor Who actors have returned as the time traveller, no actor has played two different regenerations, but that could all change if showrunners recast the Good Omen star. The rumour mill that, began... That, isn't that incorrect? Because hasn't he already regenerated into himself? Yes, he has done that once already in the series four. Yeah, so this would be his third incarnation. Uh, I mean, depends on whether you, you count the, the Handy Doctor as, as a Time Lord or not. I guess he's half Time Lord. Anyway, the rumour mill began after a fan posted in a Facebook group um, claiming a reliable BBC source had said Tennant would be cast as the 14th Doctor. Now it seems the gossip has even attracted the attention of GMB's Richard Arnold. The entertainment editor told presenters Susanna Reid and Ed Balls that over the weekend he entertained the head of press for Doctor Who. Um, that, did that sentence make sense to you, Matt? Because it didn't to me. The entertainment editor told presenters Susanna Reid and Ed Balls that's presumably different Ed Balls to the... Yeah, this was Ellis Balls, wasn't it? I mean, uh, I'm only going by what... Uh, pl- no, Ellis Balls is the... Elliot Ball is the writer of the article. Yeah, I was thinking Ed about Balls. Ed Balls, the uh, former Labour shadow chancellor. Yeah, he's now a daytime TV host. It's the same it- Ed Balls. Is he? Yeah, you know Ed Balls that once just tweeted Ed Balls and now everyone has Ed Balls Day. Yeah, that He's gone into daytime TV? Yeah, he replaced Pierce Morgan. Good Lord! That passed me by. Yeah. Well, there's wow. an exciting bit of news for you this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, um, tell the presenters that over the weekend he entertained the head press for Doctor Who, head of press for Doctor Who, even after... Uh, topping up her liquor, the BBC boss would not be drawn into speaking on the rumours, claims Arnold. So, uh, we can keep so, going. So, th- but... so there was a meeting where someone from the BBC said absolutely nothing about Doctor Who. Yes. And that. Has... And we've deduced from that that David Tennant's coming back. Basically, a fan said this on Facebook and for some reason it's just spun out of control. Like, tenant fanboys and girls are saying this sort of nonsense literally every week and have been since 2008, but somehow it's now gaining traction within within the mainstream press, and it's utterly bizarre. Like, I have... I I think it's, it's very likely that we'll see tenant in the 60th. Mm-hmm. I don't think that is a stretch. Out of all of the... the New Who Doctors, he has been the most receptive to just doing more when the opportunity arises. 
Um, but the idea of him playing the 14th Doctor is just ludicrous. Yeah. But at the same, ludicrous. Like, same time, they've like run out of ideas, haven't they? They've done a woman. Where can they go from here? A different woman. <laughs> wow. Or a different man. Like, yeah. literally, let every other actor in Britain have a turn before you start cycling back around. Also, why is it always an adult? Why not have a child? <laughs> like, uh, everything's well, going absolutely mad and there's just a small child. Well, you know, um, RTD, in his novelisation of Rose, I believe did include you know the scene in Rose where um um thingy what's his name Clive Eccleston. Clive oh, yeah, in yeah, his yeah. shed is go- going through all the uh, his files with Rose of you know all of his evidence of the doctor um in the in the novelized version that RTD wrote he wrote like different incarnations in Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them recognisably ones we've already seen um, but others like brand new to like for example he, he, he there's shall I see if I can find the quote it's on the internet yeah yeah if you give me a minute I'll, I'll get it RTD Rose novelization. you ready for this Matt mm. so Rose saw a photo of a man with a fantastic jaw dressed in a tweed jacket and bow tie. Then Clive kept the sequence going. An older, angry man in a brown caretaker's coat holding a mop. A blonde woman in braces running away from a giant frog in front of Buckingham Palace. A tall, bald black woman wielding a flaming sword. A young girl or boy in a high-tech wheelchair with what looked like a robot dog at their side. Oh, wow. So there's two versions there we haven't seen. Yeah. But they've retroactively put in new versions. Yeah, so you've got you've got the you know, eleven and twelve in there. Um but yeah, also um a black woman and an a, a, an androgynous child. Mm. You know, so the idea that uh, that a child could be the doctor or, or that the doctor could regenerate into a very young appearing body, should we say, is not is not one that RTD apparently is altogether opposed to. Though I think, to be honest, the realities of of um, it would have to be a very exceptional child actor mm. to pull it off. I think is That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the joy of, of, of novelising your own story years after the fact. Because apart from anything else, he makes the right choice in choice in Rose of not um, not alienating the audience. This is the, this is after, you know an audience's first introduction to Doctor Who. You don't want to be you know just beating them over the head with the concept of regeneration halfway through the no. first episode. Um, so it had to all be Eccleston for that to make sense. But now, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, why not have a bit of fun and slip in some references to stuff that hadn't even been conceived of when um, when he was first writing that episode. Um, so it's fun. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, I think that's probably enough of that nonsense. Um, you know, Matt, is, I feel like there's a bit of a hole in our, in our running order at the moment. Yeah, we're just going from segment to episode, aren't we? We need yeah. a bridge. Yeah. Uh, what did you have in mind? David. Yes? I, I hope your little boy's not asleep yet, because you, you're going to scream when I tell you. <laughs> yeah. It's back, David. It's listener tweets. Oh, ho, ho. here we go. I am. Hot dog, jumping frog, Albuquerque. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better party song, so I've gone for that. I, I need to forewarn you, David. I very nearly cancelled the return of listener tweets. Did you? And it's all James Swift's fault. Really? Yeah. James Swift doesn't know this, but he nearly he nearly put the final nail in the coffin. What did he do? That, Thankfully, Listener Tweets has rolled away the stone on the third day and come back to life. So, I sent a message out just going, oh, we're doing Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Uh, if you want to send your feedback. And I'd love to know your favourite thing about Doctor Who that begins with B. Okay? Mm-hmm. And James sent a nice message, blah, 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 blah. And do you want to hear his favourite thing that starts with B? Yes, absolutely. He said, Brian Pond. <laughs> which look Pond is Amy's maiden name Brian was Rory's dad so R Brian's name is Brian bloody Williams alright <laughs> check your f***ing facts before you text us James <laughs> get it through your f***ing skull how f***ing dare you uh, it's shocking, isn't it? I mean, if I'm gonna read bloody tweets, David, I don't need to read that. Far. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just one bad apple, isn't it? Spoiling it for it everyone for the else. Rest of us. Yeah. So angry, David. My, I got an Apple Watch for Christmas, and it sent me a message saying that my cardio rhythm was out of sync. <laughs> and it, I genuinely, I was so angry. Ah. Oh. But anyway, come on, look, we're doing this. I'm so David, glad here it's we back. go. The party started. Here we go. Can I tell you my favourite thing about uh, Doctor Who that begins with B? Sure. B.T. Flibbity Giggard's back. Hey. Here we go. Welcome we go. back. Come on in. Pull up a chair. It's like you've never left. <laughs> So, BT says, it's just okay. And that's a problem. After the praise for the historicals in season 11, I'm baffled that Chibnall pulled back from the things that made those episodes work. A grounded historical tone and carefully crafted setting. It's like he's actively leaning away from his strengths. Ah. Now, nice and concise, that. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. Solid work there from BT Flippity. I'm going to give that tweet 10 out of 10. You know what, Matt? I'm also giving it 10 out of 10. Should what we give it 11? Tweet? Should we give it 11? 
No, Matt, because that's not how scores out of 10 work. Move on. God. Next one. Why did we ever cancel this when tweets are so fantastic? <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, that's only one. That's only one. We'll have to see. I think it's hard, very unlikely the rest of them will be up to that standard. <laughs> oh, David. Ever the pessimist. Let me read you one from Ariel. And do you know what? For old time's sake, David, why don't you say hello? Hello, Ariel. Why don't you say welcome back, actually? Welcome back, Ariel. Right. Ariel says, I like this one. It's not exceptional, but a very solid historical episode and covering a part of history that I'm interested in. Good performances. The villain was kind of boring, though. Oh, and my favourite thing, start, uh, starting with B from Doctor Who, is I'm probably going to echo an earlier tweet, and I'm going to say Brian Williams, because his last name isn't Pond! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, for a second there, Matt, I was wavering on around a 9 out of 10 for that tweet, but you sealed the deal there. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Setting the bar tweet. very high this week. Yeah, absolutely. David, why don't you welcome Frank back into the fold? Welcome back, Frank. Frank says, I think I liked it at the time, but in hindsight, probably the most forgettable episode of the season. I'm not usually an advocate for... Oh, David... Instead of bringing back, he's put, I'm not an advocate for brining back pure historical. <sighs> Check mm. your grammar! Doesn't cost anything to spell words correctly. But it must be said that the Tesla Edison stuff is the best part of the episode. Ah, oh, great stuff. Great to have him back. Um, 10 out of 10. I'm going to be conservative on this one, David. Yeah. And I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> you had me going there, Matt. You had me going right. there. Right. Now, if any tweet's not going to score 10 out of 10, David, it's this one from James Bloody Swift. Oh, okay. Here we go. He says, If Kablam was the most Stephen Moffat episode since he left, this was the most RTD. I think it's the only historical of Chibnall era... I said of Chibnall era. He means of the Chibnall era. Oh, shocking. I think it's the only historical of the Chibnall era that I really enjoyed. Again, it suffers from the biggest flaw of this era, having a weird, questionable third act. Mm-hmm. Ten out of ten for that tweet. Sorry, Matt. Even with, even with a little hiccup there. I, I think... Oh. I think the hiccup pulls it back a little bit for me. I'm going to give it a 10, if that's okay. Yeah, no, perfectly understandable. Now, David, we're going to end strong here. Oh, if you say so. I know you've been disappointed by some of the tweets this week and they've only scored a lowly 10 out of 10. Yeah. But the final, we've got... We're in the presence of royalty, David. Is that we've so? Got a hall of, we've got a Hall of Famer with us. Oh. Fantastic. Can Which you one just, is it? Can you just curtsy or bow? I'll, I'll uh, stick with a curtsy. That's fine. Okay. So we've got a message from Marie Boudreaux. Say welcome back, David. Welcome back, Your Highness. Okay. Marie says, I love a good historical episode. 
and I was very happy with the way they did this one. From the gang being in period piece outfits to the inventions made by Tesla. It was just a lot of fun. I loved the performance of, and I'm going to say, is it Goran Vishnik? I believe so, along those lines. And hoped we would see more. Sorry, and hoped we would see more Tesla cameos like we did with Churchill. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you write a tweet. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no grammar errors. You go to school, you learn GCSE tweeting. That is lesson one. <laughs> That's a 10 out of 10 tweet, Matt. I'm giving that a star 10 out of 10. Yeah. Well done. Fantastic. And you know what, Matt? I'm giving this segment of the podcast a nice, tidy 10 out of 10. David, how am I supposed to sleep tonight? I'm so excited, <laughs> so excited for next week's listener tweets. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, what, what are we watching next week? I'm going to put the tweet out right now so I can read <laughs> responses so quick. I just can't wait. I'm, I'm not going to tell you just yet, Matt. That's not how this podcast works. You've got to wait to the end to find out what we're doing next week. You know how it oh. works. Oh, listeners, please tweet me straight away. Can you make sure it's spelt properly, though? Yes, please. That would be lovely. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm so glad um, it's back. Yeah. We were fools, David. We were. We were fools. They knew we were only having them on. I, I think if we were going to bring back listener tweets, it needed to be for this paradigm shift of an episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. What do you reckon, Matt? Good episode? Bad episode? Um, I'm going to introduce a new rating, funnily enough, for this week. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing it. And I'm going to give Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror... This was so boring, David. Oh dear, really? I quite like it, Matt. It, somehow, nothing happens, yet loads of really silly... Oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to say it, David. Worst episode of the series so far. <laughs> really? Yeah, as bad as last series. Really? I, you see, yeah, I don't get this that This hits all. all the beats that I hated last series. Wow. You slot this in the middle of last series and it fits perfectly. You see, no, I, I, I would genuinely disagree with you there because I think there was a much greater sense of fun. The historicals in series 11 all have this kind of slight worthiness to them where this is just, this is just a lot of messing about, really. The, the only difference is when they talk about how Tesla died penniless and it's sad, mm. it didn't play that song over the end like it did on Rosa. Yes, thank goodness for that, eh? That's the only difference. No, I, I, I think this has got a, a real sort of... A real... Um, I don't know. Pep to it compared to a lot of Series 11. I... I, 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 I uh, no, I will genuinely disagree with you on that. No. I, I really quite it, enjoy this one. David, but we, we I, don't have to agree all the time. That's what's so great about our <laughs> podcast. I suppose so, but um, yeah, I just, I worry. I worry, Matt, if you're not enjoying this, then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I that means know. there's worse to come. <laughs> 
I don't know. Just this. Do you not think this is just really good, solid bread and butter Doctor Who? Um, I also think it it suffers from being a bit of history that I just don't care about. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I find it quite interesting. You know, I like. I, I, you know. I think sort of. Um, technological revolutions and things are an interesting sort of aspect of history to explore and the sort of rivalry between uh tesla and edison is a fascinating little chunk of history and i think this episode does a very good job of taking that thread from history and weaving into it a pretty good you know sci-fi romp which you know, what more do you want from an hour's entertainment? Entertainment. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, that all out the way. Shall we just get into uh, the Are you giving this good episode? Yeah, good episode. Not perfect, but I don't know. I don't know that I would say there are any particularly bad bits. I guess the bad bit is just, I guess... It's a touch inconsequential. Mm. Okay, shall we move on? I think we better had. I'm just going to close the door. Hang on. Right then. Right. So this is Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Yep. It is episode four of season twelve. It is. From the 19th of January, 2020. Yes. It's written by, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Nina Metavier or Metavier. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, but yeah, new writer, which is nice. Okay, and directed by Nina Mansour. Yes. Okay, is that a new director? I can't remember whether she did something for... I don't think she did Series 11, no. So quite possibly a new, new director as well. Right. So, the episode opens at Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. where Tesla is talking about his Niagara generator. He demonstrates his inventions, and he needs a $50,000 investment in order to meet his future investment... Sorry, to meet his future goals and desires. Yeah. Uh, he... It specifically says just... the Wardenclyffe project, isn't he? It, that he's mm. wanting investment in. Um, and it which... seems to be going well till he just drops in conversation that he received a signal from Mars. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Like... Imagine if I was talking to you and you just dropped that in conversation one day and never brought it up. That's how, like, laid back he is about it. <laughs> he doesn't make a big deal. He's just like, oh, I'm building this generator. It's going to be enough to power a town. Um, mm-hmm. Have heard from Mars. So anyway, $50,000. Just like, whoa, 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 just rewind. Let's focus on the Mars bit. Um, yes. Uh, sorry, my dog is being so distracting right now. Sorry, bear with me just one moment. Right, so having revealed he's heard from Mars, mm-hmm. nobody has any faith in his work. <coughs> yes, yeah. And Tesla is sad. Yeah, poor old Tesla. Um, he's 
even more sad when he realises a man has been electrocuted within his generator. Mm -hmm. And he is accused of his machines being faulty and, you know, not being diligent in his work. Yeah. But Tesla works out it was sabotaged. Dun, dun, dun. And as he does so, there's a green flying orb. I love a good science fiction orb, don't you? Yeah, just uh, not explained. It's just there floating round. Mm -hmm. So Tesla and his associate, his colleague, Miss Scarrett, attempts to leave until the doctor interrupts them. Yep. So we get a little bit of running round until they all join up with the fam on a steam train. Yes. They're all in period costume, which is nice. Yeah, so what were they doing there? Just having a jaunt? Oh no, they were tracing this energy, weren't they? Well, I think I'm right in saying that they thought they were just seeing the sights and then the doctor's like, oh yeah, no, I was tracing this energy. Uh If memory serves. So they're being stalked by someone who's shooting at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the doctor manages to take the weapon... But it turns out the bad guy is a Sith Lord. <laughs> just just blasting red lightning from his fingertips at people. Yeah. Good trick if you can do it. Uh, so the Doctor keeps calling Tesla a liar because he refuses to hand over the green orb. In all the discussions they have, he never alludes to the fact that he has it and, mm-hmm. you know, is intrigued by it. Yeah. So they get off the train in New York City. Yeah. Where everyone hates electricity. Yeah, I mean, well, specifically um, uh, AC, Tesla's mm. electricity. And, I mean, how much do you know about um, Edison and, and that, that sort of, that whole fight over which kind of current to use to to power America? Um, A little bit. Do you know that Edison murdered an elephant? Yeah, I think everyone knows that. That's on QI like every other week. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but that just goes to show, like, I mean, I think they do a pretty good job with Edison in this story in showing that he's not necessarily evil, but he is certainly... A bit shady. Yeah, a, a, a very ruthless um, corporate person. And someone who, unlike Tesla, knew how to how to use the media to his advantage. Mm. And, you know, in some ways it was a bit of a pioneer of uh, the sort of, you know, modern-day capitalism in that respect. Um, what am I going to do with this dog? Ah, uh, just leave it. Uh, you sure? You're going to have to do a lot of editing. I apologise. It's fine. People like it when your dog's around. Yeah. I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I love him, really. He's just right. exceptionally annoying when, when he just wants... Um, um, anyway. So, over the weekend, one of the cats at uh, my wife's family farm got... We think he got trod on by a cow. Oh no! Uh, so it was in a bad way. So it was going to come stay with us 
like we were going to look after it. But once it had been to the vets, they pretty much just said, put it down. Yeah. Um, and I can't lie, David, I was kind of relieved because I don't really like cats. Ah, <laughs> uh, shocking. So, so shocking. my wife told me, like, because I was like, oh, no, that's, that's really sad. I hope you're okay. Mm. But my wife told me I was smiling the whole time. <laughs> um, so the doctor has a look around Tesla's lab. Yes. And in bold capital letters, I even changed to a red pen. I have written, how is this so boring? Yeah. So this this episode, it's already lost you. I was just like, like, it's so boring. And it's like here, where they go to Tesla's lab and Graham's pretending he knows loads. And then they all go, oh, yeah, well, what's that? And then the doctor, like, we just get these random history lessons where it's like Nikola Tesla. He dreamt the 20th century. I'm just like, where's the alien? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you get a lot of alien later in this episode. Um, but it's I, too I, much. I, I we see, get too see, bloody much. I see where you're coming from to an extent in that... He, it's just um, what's the word I'm looking for? There is an unsubtlety to to the sort of as you say history lesson aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we after the history lesson about Tesla, we find out that the orb is an orb of Thassa. We do, yes. But what we don't find out is why is it here? Yeah. So it's there to share the knowledge of the Thassa, who are like an ancient race through the universe, but it's somehow been repurposed. Uh, Tesla finds out that he has once again failed to receive any financial backing at the exact moment that Edison's man takes a photograph of his sadness. I don't really get that. Is that man just there to go, oh, that pesky Edison? Um, well, no, he's he's one of um, Edison's spies. He is there spying on Tesla's activities to report back to right. uh, Edison. To, like, steal his ideas? Um, yeah, just keep tabs on him. Just, um, not necessarily just steal his ideas, but... Um, to actually make sure he's not encroaching on anything that they're already working on or right you know again i i fi- i don't, don't quote me on this i'm pretty sure that is sort of grounded in in fact again that you know edison did kind of keep tabs on on tesla yeah i mean you know? at the end he seems to like respect him and his work just not yeah. the fact he's opposing edison yeah yeah uh so the doctor goes to talk to edison who recognises the alien gun from earlier. So clearly he's somehow tied into this. And I've written in my notes here, David, Edison is a rotten scoundrel. Yeah. Can we uh, Can we just... W- one second, because this is my, my one pet peeve of this episode, and it's such, it's such a pedantic, fanish thing. Uh, the Doctor repeatedly refers to the Silurian gun as alien. The Silurians aren't aliens. 
Oh, yeah, they've been on Earth longer than us, haven't they? Yeah. They just live beneath the surface. Like, and, and I'm, I know it's just shorthand because you can't go to... to like, I just feel like, just pick a different race. <sighs> you know, any other race. <laughs> like, a, make it a Sontaran gun or something. Um, well done but... for noticing that, David. Good pedantry. <laughs> Thank you. It's what, it's what I specialise in. <laughs> so, Yaz talks to Tesla as the orb illuminates. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy from earlier kills everyone in Edison's lab and approaches Edison and the Doctor. Yeah. And then, like, this bit kind of got to me. So they're being approached by this bad guy and they all push the desk at him as if it's like a rehearsed plan they've done a thousand (laughs) times. Like, should we do the old old desk heave-ho, get out of here? So, yeah, they just... Just basically throw a desk at him and run off. For, for all you know, they've used that same move in the last five adventures that we've not seen. Yeah, I bet they were loving it when it was approached and they spot the desk between them and the enemy. <laughs> just oh, like, we know oh, what to do. We, why don't you take two steps forward, bloke? And we'll get you for this. <laughs> right, this bad guy has taken on the form of Harold Green, mm. which you know he's so critical to the plot that it took me a while to. To really understand that he was gone. Uh, He's just a dead man. Yes. So the orb that the alien appears to be after is scanning and looking from something. And uh, the bad guy's a scorpion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Scorpion geezers. Um, Have we done scorpions before? We've done big spiders. Well, that's what I was going to say. The design of uh, these... Oh, what are the names of the aliens? I, I forget now. I should have made, like, any notes on this. But... What, what are the things in Kill the Moon called? Oh, God, I can't oh. remember. But they're spidery as well, and they're not scorpions. Yeah. The ones in this episode, it's the Skifra. Uh, the Skifra, that's it. Yeah, so they are very Rachnos-esque. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... To the well, point that it almost feels conscious, and I wonder if there was some line that was cut out for time or something about how they are cousins of, of the Ragnos. Uh Well, I was listening to the always excellent Married to Who. Yeah. Uh, I listened to their review of this episode, and they said that when the trailer for this season aired, it had yeah. a little bit of the Skiffer Queen, and people yeah. were excited that the Ragnos was back, but it's just not. Yeah. They very much did. I mean, because you just get a close-up of the face and, and the, the it is very... The makeup is very similar and stuff. Um, so, and the performance is similar as well. So you'd be very much forgiven for thinking that it was the Ragnos. Um, I I'm fine did, with the fact that... I did not like the editing around the Skiffra Queen where the camera just keeps juddering every five seconds when she's talking. Yeah. <laughs> It did get a bit much after a while, didn't it? Mm. Um, it, would so, been, it would have been... I mean, I, I presumably it's just because it would... I don't know to what extent it was CGI, but I think my gut is that that possibly, you know, the whole back end of a scorpion, or if you like, was all CGI, so they had to keep it quite tight in on her because they couldn't afford mm. too many shots of the full body. Well, was she not just like a woman walking around? 
Oh, I can't remember. I, I can't I, remember. I, I don't know why my mind always goes there, but I'm certain at the end we see her and she's pretty much just a woman. And all the scorpions are scorpions. Because I was like, how, how do this species reproduce? Yeah, it's not clear, is it? It's not clear at all. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm fine with doing scorpions instead of spiders this time. If only because I find scorpions a thousand times creepier than than spiders. Mm. They are probably my least favourite creature Really? On Earth. Yeah, there, there aren't many there aren't any many animals and things that give me the heebie jeebies, but scorpions one hundred percent. I would say mine are massive big snakes. Like, when I went to Melbourne Zoo, there was a snake that was about, I don't know, two miles long. Mm. And and its head was like the size of my desk. Yeah. That that was a big bugger. And I don't like big birds either. (laughs) You're not a fan of Sesame Street? No, no, I like big bird. But like, (laughs) um, so sometimes on my in-law's farm, they had, right. They've had, like, emus and rears and ostriches. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather fight a bear than an ostrich. <laughs> Fortunately in life, I find that, generally speaking, you don't have to fight every animal you meet. No, but we... <laughs> when, I... just, a, just, a, just a top tip for you, Matt. I mean, Right, well... Just... I, I, obviously, you've just all all your life, you know, you'll be walking past a field a field of cows, and you're like, oh, fine, no, no, no. I'm gonna fight these cows. No, they're, they're they're peaceful, right? But this is a true story. Okay. So once I'm certain I've mentioned this before, but my my wife's family own a farm, and they have yeah. what's called an exotic animals license. So when you yes. import and in, sorry, when you import certain species into the country, uh, their farm is like a designated safe quarantine zone. So they have all sorts. Like they've yeah. had camels and zebras. But the worst was when they had an ostrich. Right? Yeah. And I walked past and imagine like a barn door. So I don't know, maybe four or five feet tall. Yeah. And there was an ostrich the other side of this door. And it was aggressively kicking at the door. And <laughs> uh, famously, ostriches can like kick through, I don't know, like four-inch steel or something. Yeah, they got uh, beefy legs. So I made a point of walking over and kind of wave, trying to wave it away from the door as it was hissing and all sorts. And as I went to like wave towards it, instead of being scared, David, it, it like... It attempted to catch my arm in its mouth. And, like, if a goose can break your arm, imagine what a bloody ostrich would do. Yeah. And, like, it just looked at me as if to say, like, go on, take another swing. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I was haunted by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, I, I wouldn't want to be attacked by an ostrich, but I could probably say that about pretty much any animal. I wouldn't want to be attacked by it. Mm. <laughs> um, um, I yeah, got punched in the head by a magpie once. I'm certain I've told you that story. <laughs> I don't think you have. Oh, this excellent. Is, like, when, when I was... This was again when I was in Australia. Just walking yeah. down the street and got punched in the head. Like, <laughs> to the point I genuinely thought I was being mugged. Like, I was really yeah. upset. Really, like... 
I, I literally just gathered my thoughts and ran down this street because I thought this is it <laughs> I'm being mugged. And it was a magpie that I can only assume had dived bombed my head <laughs> and was trying to get my headphones. So I had to like run down the street screaming, being chased by a giant magpie. <laughs> like, uh, amazing. On, honestly, like, you know, you know sometimes where you may be like, I know I talked about falling downstairs last time, but you know sometimes where you just miss your step and you get a little shock and you're like, you feel alive. Like, uh-huh. it, it was honestly fight or flight when this magpie got me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other big bird, I've had, uh, I don't want to turn this into a big bird rant, but again, it's too late now. Once when I was in Australia, I was in beautiful Geelong, which is a nice mm-hmm. city, and I was just sat on like the beachfront having like something to eat, and all of a sudden it was like the sun had gone out. It was just dark. And sat on top of a streetlight, like we get pigeons and stuff here, was a pelican. Right? Wow. Uh, I know they're meant to be like nice, cute animals. You see them in like Disney films and stuff. They are fucking massive. Yep. Uh, and honestly, it was like a pterodactyl. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'd probably put large birds at the top of my animals I absolutely hate. I'm now wondering if... if um, I don't know that uh, Doctor Who's ever done bird people. Um, I don't think we've ever seen it. Certainly not New, new Who. And I'm tr- I, don't think, I don't think there's anything in classic either. Um, I'm just going to quickly Google Doctor Who bird aliens. See if anything comes up. Doctor Who bird aliens. Uh, the only thing that comes up is the Crefeus. Oh. Have we seen yeah, that? Yeah, I guess. Yes, that's the Vincent and the Doctor, giant invisible Oh, that's the chicken. big chicken. And there is... Oh, there's something, but it's from Sarah Jane Adventures, like a weird vulture man. Ah, uh, right. The Shansheath. Yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen them. No, I haven't. I... We should... Do you want to do Sarah Jane instead of Torchwood? Um, it'd probably be more like joyous. It looks it looks fun, doesn't it? Looks an absolute hoot. Yeah. But Married know. to Who did buy us that Torchwood DVD, and I mean, is yeah. it still in the box? It, it very much is. Yes. Yeah. You're supposed to say no. I watch it all the time. <laughs> no, I'm saving it. Saving it because we'll be. I, I wonder if they. To... I ordered them some stuff for Christmas. I wonder if they got it. I haven't had a message or anything. Who knows? You have to follow up on that. Anyway, come on. Let's get through this. I would like right. to go to spend some time with right. my partner. So, <laughs> the aliens have taken Scarrot hostage. Yes. And it turns out they want Tesla, not the orb. Mm. So, they zap Tesla and Yaz aboard their ship with... All the scorpions and some sort of weird freak. This is where we're introduced to the Skiffer Queen. Yeah. And I just thought, that's a very RTD alien for the modern series, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It really is. It's just a bloke. Well, I say a bloke. It's just a girl in a suit, like, going, oh, I'm an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, like, the most over-the-top 
performance imaginable. Like, did you know? There is no subtlety the, there. The actress that plays the Skiffra Queen is one of the kids from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yes, I was aware of that, but obviously, like, people were losing their minds over that. But as, as I'm not a Sarah Jane Adventures fan, it kind of meant know, nothing to me. But nice that she's getting work. Do you know who she's married to? I don't. The guy that plays the master now. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I forget his name. A bit of, a bit of a Doctor Who power couple then, aren't they? Yeah. What's his name? Sasha Dewan. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're a couple. Ah. Oh, that's not lovely. Didn't know that. Great. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, Scarrot uh, joins the fam on the TARDIS whilst they scan uh-huh. for Yaz and Tesla. Edison... Pure loves the TARDIS, wants to monetize it, and mm-hmm. you know, offers to buy it. And I've written David in big bold capital letters. This is very boring. <laughs> so it turns out the orb isn't broadcasting; it's been scanning Earth. Yeah. And the ship that Tesla and Yaz are on is above Earth mm-hmm. because they want Tesla to upgrade their ship and weapons. Yes. So the whole fam go back to Tesla's lab to look for clues. And Tesla refuses to help, so they threaten to kill Yaz. The Skiffra Queen threatens to kill Yaz. Okay, the Doctor plans to teleport aboard the ship, but needs time for the teleporter to recharge. So she comes aboard and... Basically, just is really rude to the Skiffra, laughs at their ship, says it's all stolen and it's beginning to break down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is this meant to be a big revelation in the story? Because, again, it's very boring. Turns out when Tesla received a signal from the Skiffra, he returned his own signal. So they've been in communication. Well, just they, they alerted, he alerted them to. His presence. So that's how they worked out that they had found an engineer worthy of fixing their ship, but also yeah. they want him so they can remain hidden. Yeah. Uh, in amongst all the junk on the ship, there's an old-fashioned camera, which the Doctor uses to blind the Skiffra Queen, mm-hmm. and then teleports away from the ship. Now, so, you see, I, re- I like that scene with... Um... Uh, the Doctor um, going face to face with with the Skiffra Queen. I th- she's just very Doctory in it. I guess is the best way I can put it. You could it, she's got that sort of like tenanty swagger to it. Um, I really like it. Um, and that's something that I feel like was really lacking at times in Series Eleven. So it's nice to have more of it now. Uh, so Tesla himself is impressed with the TARDIS mm-hmm. and the doctor orders the Skiffra to leave. So she sends yeah. them a communication basically going, go away. Again, I, I really like that we get we get to see that and, and th- this episode very much invites us to compare the reactions of Edison and Tesla to the TARDIS. Mm. You know, um, it, it, it's a great way to underscore the differences in in their outlook. Yeah, their ideology. If you like. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a clever bit of writing, I think, because it's obviously you know at this stage, no one's watching this really who who isn't familiar with the trope of new people coming into the TARDIS and they have a little moment in which we get to see their reaction. So so get, doing two in one episode and being like, hey, look, guys. I, yeah, I like that. Clever writing, I think. Um, sorry, you, you, were, you were moving on. Yeah, so the aliens say, give us Tesla or we destroy the Earth. Uh, rather yeah. than respond, the Doctor just talks to Tesla for a bit and says that uh, she won't let them take him. Yeah. And this is where she asks about Wardenclyffe. Because mm. they're going to use all that wireless energy to blast down the ship. And this is this is uh, this is what happened with the reveal of the Master. We get to the end of the episode, we don't have a solution, and then they go, "Oh, by the way, we've got this." Like not really mentioned. I know it is mentioned, but. At the Warden, Wardenclyffe is, is seeded out all the way through yeah, this story. Yeah, but he's not, you know, talking about its ability to shoot lightning into the sky. No, but it with the Doctor, in, you know, on board, of course she's going to be able to repurpose it for that. It's not a stretch, I don't think. Because you've got, you've got, you've got two geniuses for the price of one in this episode. I say it all the time, David. I don't bloody know with this program anymore. <laughs> I, for one, can't wait for a little bit of Sarah Jane adventures. <laughs> I tell you what, every episode of Class is better than this episode. I'm not even going to rise to it, Matt. Let's just get this over and done. Well, you don't we? know if that's true because you haven't seen all of Class, so you that's, have to accept true. it as fact. Right. That's true. So they start to formulate a plan. Um. Uh, there's scorpions everywhere. Uh, yeah. The Doctor and Tesla have made a shield, but they plan to drop the shield when they blast the ship. So, as they do drop the shield, the scorpions don't attack, because the Queen isn't on the ship, she's down on Earth with them. Mm. And she enters the lab. Yeah. Yet again, the Doctor stands up to the Queen and threatens her. Yeah. There's no way to speak to royalty. <laughs> Just imagine if there was like a flip on this where the Skiffer are all on their planet and the Queen and Prince Charles are there. <laughs> yeah, it would be different. Yeah. I was going to say the Queen and you know who, but we won't talk about him. Um, well, the Grand Old Dance of York. <laughs> Couldn't help yourself, could you? I couldn't. That's not original. You don't need to leave that in the edit. Yeah, don't worry. Don't sweat it. <laughs> he certainly won't. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, right. Where are we up to? Right. The Queen uh, steals the Doctor's teleporter, which zaps her back to her own ship. Where she is fried to death. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of that. So the next yeah. day, Edison praises Tesla. Mm -hmm. And Yaz wonders if things will change. Mm -hmm. She still hasn't really wrapped her head around that, has she? Because Tesla still dies poor. Time for a history yeah. lesson, everyone. Yeah. 
they say goodbye to Tesla. They don't even get back on the TARDIS. It just ends. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a nice little romp. Look, okay, it is incredibly inconsequential as an episode. Um, and Ryan does nothing. Now, it's his turn. His turn on the subs bench this week. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But um, what what did you think of Graham's joke where he calls Tesla and Edison ACDC? Pretty poor. Yeah. It's not. It's not my top. It's not making a top ten Graham moment. So that's for sure. Mm. Um, Graham feels especially redundant so far this series, doesn't he? Yeah. For, given that he was one of the best things about series eleven. I don't know. Like I say, this bloody program, man. <laughs> um, but anyway, well, I mean, uh, we're nearly we're nearly at the halfway point already, though, Matt. Yeah, I'm certain we've got big things to come next week. We have. Should I tell you what our next episode is? Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to put it straight on Twitter so everyone can send me <laughs> messages. Next week, Matt, we're going to be watching Fugitive... Of the Jadoon. The Jadoon? The Jadoon. Alright, the they're back, are they? are back. Not content with giant scorpions, let's get the rhinos involved. Yeah, why not? Great. Have we seen them since Hospital on the Moon? They've never been... They're, they're like a background player. Like, you'll see them sort of stomping around at the Shadow Proclamation. Or, yeah. You know, stuff like that. But they've not been a featured antagonist since uh, Smith & Jones. So they're, they're overdue a return, I feel like. The thing like. is, they're not really the bad guys, are they? They're just space police. Yeah, they're just doing their job, but they're... You know, a bit brutally efficient, aren't they? But anyway, yeah. I, I think Yaz is going to be the fugitive. You think so? You're putting your money yeah. on it right now? Yeah, they're going to say, yeah. Yaz, you're so boring. <laughs> 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 that it's actually a crime. Oh, bad. The amount of people that have paid their licence fee <laughs> for this... <laughs> Oh, don't you start as well, Matt. Don't be, don't be siding with the Dean Doris. Yeah. Just, just because you're bored by Yaz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get the bloody Jadoon on her. Oh gosh. Well, anyway, I for one am looking forward to discussing Fugitive of the Jew, of the Jadoon with you, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that our listeners are as well. So until then. As always, thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, uh, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.